John 1, verses 1 to 18. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me, because he was before me. For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God. The only God who is at the Father's side, he has made him known. Now I want to speak from the Bible for a few minutes about what it means to be part of God's family John chapter 1 that Jay read is a magnificent description of Jesus coming into the world and its significance. All of John's themes that he will speak to in his gospel are here in the prologue. There is so much that John has to say, so many blessings for those who believe in Jesus. Here is a verse that captures the extent or the wealth the believer has in Jesus. John chapter 1, verse 16. For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. The blessings we have in Jesus are no divine token gesture. They are out of the fullness of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. From the fullness of God, out of all that God is, we receive multiplied grace. 
grace upon grace, multiplied blessings, bountiful generosity, lavish kindness, overwhelming grace. And all the more so because it is undeserved. God's grace is undeserved mercy. One major dimension of this grace is the grace of adoption. Adoption means that the true and living God, the creator of the heavens and the earth, by grace has made believers members of his family with all the rights and responsibilities that go with that status. And the verse in John chapter 1 that describes our adoption, but to all who did receive him, but to all who received Jesus, who believed in his name, God gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. To all who believe in Jesus, he gives the right to become children of God. That is the glorious grace of adoption. If you are a Christian, or if you want to know what a Christian is, by God's grace, believers are members of God's family. I wonder if there is anything indeed more comforting and more nourishing and more uplifting and the glorious truth that when we trust in Christ, we are made into the sons and daughters of the living God. Yet I wonder if we focus on this enough. Let me quote from an article I read this week on the Gospel Coalition website. With compelling brevity and gravity, J.I. Packer, Packer, the author of many books, including Knowing God, who died earlier this year, Packer offers this three-word summary of the gospel. What is the gospel? Adoption through propitiation. Propitiation means that God's righteous anger against sinners is fully satisfied by his righteous son's substitutionary death and vindicating resurrection and exaltation. By divine grace, as he absorbs God's wrath in our place, the Savior turns the Father's countenance towards us in full forgiveness. What wondrous reconciliation. But this grace-saturated reckoning with our sin and our sinfulness does not exhaust or expend the gospel. Christ's propitiatory work on our behalf 
surges with exceedingly greater blessing, the glorious riches of adoption. And then the summary sentence in the quote, as Scripture affirms, forgiven sinners do not enter Christ's kingdom as mere paupers. We become royal sons, royal daughters, members of the family of God, siblings of the King of Kings, brothers of whom God is not ashamed. Now we focus rightly on how the gospel forgives our sins, but we need to focus too on how the gospel, having forgiven our sins, brings us into the family of God with all that that means. We must be careful. And I think this is powerfully true. We must be careful not to diminish the grace that is lavished upon us. We must be careful not to assume that we are unworthy. When God says to us, through the gospel, you are worthy to be my children, my sons, my daughters, my heirs. We must be careful not to think that we do not need our Father God. Churchill, reflecting on his childhood and upbringing, described his father as, like God, busy elsewhere. That may have been true of Churchill's father, but it's not like God. God is busy everywhere, never elsewhere. And he is a loving father. There every time we need him, he is always there. Do you think of the fatherhood of God as like the best examples of fatherhood you know? It is better by far than the best of them. But for many, their experience of fatherhood is anything but good. It is one of deep pain or hurt or loss. Yet to all who receive Jesus and believe in him, the right is given of adoption as children of God. If you are a Christian, you are a child of God. You are his son, his daughter. He is never, ever busy elsewhere. And he loves you. Let me just sketch out a few of the blessings of our adoption as children of God. Firstly, family likeness. You know, whenever a child is born, a standard thing to say is how much that child looks like his or her father or mother. The truth is that babies do not look anything like their parents. 
They look like babies. They're all the same. But as the child grows up, you begin to see the family likeness. When someone becomes a Christian, the Holy Spirit indwells them. The Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Jesus. The living Jesus indwells a believer in the person of his Spirit. They are born again, born of God. And from the time of their conversion, when they become a Christian, a Christian begins to take on the family likeness. They have Christ in them through the Spirit, and it begins to show in their lives love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness. But it takes time to grow in the family likeness. It takes time for it to show, but it is there. You see it in every Christian. Now, you might think it is irreverent to say to a Christian, you look like your father. But that's exactly what we should see and see. The New Testament is strong in its emphasis on increasing Christ's likeness in the life of a Christian. We often think of that as a matter of discipleship, the discipline of discipleship, and that's right, of course. But another way to think about growing in godliness, growing in Christ-likeness, is growing up to resemble our Father. A Christian, you cannot but grow up into the likeness of God. For the spirit of the living Jesus is changing you. Now we have our rebellious teenage years as Christians. We grow up into spiritual maturity fitfully, but inevitably, inexorably, like our Father until the day the family likeness is perfectly restored when we are with Jesus in the new creation. The blessings of adoption as children of God, family likeness. Moreover, it is not only a family likeness we share with our Father God and our brother, the Lord Jesus. It is a family likeness we share with our brothers and sisters in the Lord in our church family, and indeed with Christians everywhere. It is what we mean by fellowship, family ties, family bonds, family likeness. We might be different in all sorts of ways, different backgrounds, different jobs, different interests. Or beyond the local church, we might speak different languages, live in different parts of the world, but we are family. We share the family likeness. It is a wonderful blessing of our adoption as the children of God. Now, over the last year, there are many phrases that we have come to grow weary of 
I'm not going to say any of them. Many of you have said to me, though, with thanks, what a blessing the church family is. Many have expressed that, particularly in the difficult circumstances. Now, can I say to you for your encouragement, individually and corporately, you are looking more and more like your father. You are looking more and more like your father. There is more love and joy and peace and patience and gentleness. And when that character is embodied in a Christian's life and in the life of a church, it blesses and touches others. You might not be a Christian yet, but you see what I am describing in the lives of Christians. What is it you see? You see someone who is in the family of God. Is it attractive? Adoption as children of God is for all who receive Jesus and believe in his name. It's for you, if you will believe. Second blessing of our adoption is the assurance of salvation. Let me read just a few verses from Romans chapter 8 about our adoption as children of God. Romans 8 verse 14, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. When you come to Jesus in faith, receive him and believe in him for your salvation, your sins are forgiven and you receive the Holy Spirit, confirming your adoption as a child of God. Your adoption as a child of God is your assurance of salvation, that you are forgiven, pardoned, reconciled to God. How do we know though for sure that we are. How do you know for sure that you are saved? Well, Romans chapters 1 to 7 is a wonderful explanation of the gospel, the persuasive logical case for Christ as Savior. And as we have studied it and are studying it as a church, we are being persuaded but along with that, there is something that is profoundly simple that proves that we are saved. The first word. It's great to have little children in here. 
Can you hear them? The first word a child learns is dada or mama, daddy, mummy. The first words of a child instinctively express their dependence, their trust, their love, their affection. And when the Holy Spirit indwells a believer, the Spirit of Jesus bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. The Spirit of Jesus fuses with our spirit in our inner being and bears witness that we are children of God. How? By our utterance of the word, Father, Abba, Daddy. That is the blessing of our adoption as children of God because it gives us assurance of our salvation. You cannot say, Father, unless you are a child of God. How can you be sure you are a Christian? How can you be sure you are saved? because you speak to God as your father. I remember a man I worked with in London. He wasn't a Christian, and he would come to meetings where we prayed. He would be part of work meetings where uh, there was prayer, and he was intensely uncomfortable with the familial language of Father and Jesus. He would refer to, and I can hear him in public, struggling to even say the words he would refer to, the Lord, God, or Christ, but never Father, never Jesus. I'm sure he prayed in church, our Father, hallowed be your name, but he could not pray, Father, help me. And then he was converted. He was no more extrovert after his conversion. He remained a shy man. But he took on the family language. And you should hear him now. My Father. My Jesus. Let me pause and ask you this. Are you comfortable with the family language of Christian faith? Privately on your own with God? Do you refer to him intimately, dependently, as your father? If not, is it because you are afraid to address him in that way? Do not be afraid. God is your Father. Or is it because you cannot address him in that way? And if that's true, you need to ask, am I a Christian? And remember that to all who receive Jesus,
and believe in him is given the right to become children of God. Do you need to receive Jesus? Believe in him as your saviour? This Christmas day would be a good time. In the words of the Christmas carol, where meek souls will receive him still, the dear Christ enters in. Now time rushes away with us. Let me touch on two final blessings of adoption. Family likeness, assurance, and thirdly, help in our weakness. We have already thought about addressing God as Father, Abba. To defer to God in that way is to express our dependence on Him as a child expresses dependence on their father or mother, and whatever age we are as Christians. I have in my mind at the moment one of the oldest people in Chalmers. You might know who I mean, and when you hear him pray, he says, Father, full of dependence. And that dependence remains the heartbeat for a Christian, whether they are young or old, immature or mature in their faith. Jesus used the word Abba Father rarely, but most profoundly at a crisis point in his life in the Garden of Gethsemane, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup, yet not what I will, but what you will. The blessings of adoption as children of God help in our weakness. Sometimes we are too weak, too discouraged even to pray, Abba, Father. Well, here's another verse from Romans 8. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. As a child of God, we express our dependence on God in prayer. God gives us voice to pray, but as a child of God, even when we cannot find words to pray, and all we can do is groan, the Spirit himself intercedes for us. And that is a profound blessing and a profound comfort. Now, there must be someone listening, a Christian, and you feel helpless in your weakness and you can hardly find the words to pray. Well, right now, the Spirit of Jesus that testifies with your spirit that you are a child of God is praying for you. The Spirit of Jesus within you prays for you always. In that crisis you have gone through, 
in that crisis you are going through, always ever interceding. And one of the things the Spirit of Jesus within you prays for you when you groan is that you would recover your voice and start to pray again, Abba, Father. Now, the final blessing of adoption that I want to point you to on this Christmas day, family likeness, assurance of salvation, help in our weakness, finally, a glorious inheritance. If we are children of God, then we are heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. I scored 10 out of 10 this morning with my wife's Christmas present, according to my children. Shall I tell you what it was? A night in the hotel we got married in on her birthday. Post-COVID, I pray. If we are children of God, we are heirs of eternal life in the new creation, physically with Jesus. That's our home. That's our destiny. That's what we live for. And for the Christian, there is no fear of death. Let me correct the way I've spoken about that in the past. We are afraid when we think about dying and death. That's another category where we need God's help. But when the Bible says we have no fear of death, objectively, there is nothing to fear because of resurrection. And that is profoundly comforting. Read the words of the second reading this afternoon on your sheet. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. Jesus said, I am going to prepare a place for you. And I will come back to take you to be where I am. Where are you going, Jesus? How can we follow you? How can we be sure? Jesus said, I am the way and the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Flip back to John 1. Whoever receives me and believes in me, I give the right to become children of God. As forgiven sinners, we do not enter Christ's kingdom as mere paupers. 
we become royal sons, royal daughters, members of the family of God, siblings of the King of Kings, brothers of whom he is not ashamed. Let us pray. Our Father, we pray that in this moment, as we pause in the middle of a Christmas day in a world in turmoil, that our hearts would jump at the reminder that as Christians, we are children of the living God, growing in family likeness, Assured of our salvation because we began our prayer, Father, promised help in our weakness and guaranteed a glorious inheritance. Lord, help us to relish these truths. And if we are not yet If we are not yet Christians, we pray that this Christmas day, by your grace, we would reach out to Jesus Christ and receive him and believe in him and have conferred upon us the status of adopted children of the living God. For Jesus' sake, we pray. Amen.